Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener on our private feed where you'll have ad-free episodes and join us in Zoom meetups to meet other listeners of our podcast community. Go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes. Welcome to the Women in Tech Weekly Remix episode. My name is Esprit Devora, host of The Women in Tech Show. The show means a lot to me. The reason why I wanted to create The Women in Tech Show is I wanted to create a positive piece of content, something where people can listen and say, if she can do it, so can I. To connect and collaborate with extraordinary women in tech around the world, remember to go to the Women in Tech Facebook group at womenintechvip.com. That's womenintechvip.com. The best business resource I have is my mentor's private Facebook group. I've never found a community that cares more about one another's success. It inspired me to create the same thing for podcasters. If you're a tech company or startup looking to grow your podcast audience, I created GetPodcastListeners.com, a private group specifically to discover how other podcasters have grown their audiences. So we could do the same. Check out GetPodcastListeners.com. That's GetPodcastListeners.com. Hi, I'm Catherine Smith. I work at Google as a product manager on YouTube TV, which is a paid premium subscription product that provides access to all your favorite live TV content across all your favorite devices. I'm based in San Francisco, California. So I think progressively through my career, I've, I've sort of always, both one, when I picked my major, I thought that mechanical engineering was probably the broadest possible engineering that I could pick at the time. Probably should have picked computer science in retrospect, but I I picked mechanical engineering and I thought, great, I can decide later if I want to be an aerospace engineer or if I want to, you know, work in biomechanics or if I want to design baby strollers. Like there's lots of options. So this is great. And then, you know, I, I started actually in college going down a path, working in a research lab where we were doing surgical robotics research. And I spent, you know, four years every summer of college there and was kind of getting down this narrower and narrower path. And everybody I was working with had PhDs in mechanical engineering and were working on this day in and day out. And I sort of just felt myself on this path kind of traveling along. And I got scared because I wasn't sure that that's what I wanted to do. And it felt like such a big commitment to decide to do, you know, a PhD after undergrad when I wasn't sure if I would like it. And it was really sort of scary to pivot away from that, but I got myself off that train and, and sort of went in a different but related direction, you know, where I, I switched over to, to doing the medical device stuff, which, which felt, again, a bit more broad working at a company and sort of learning more general product development skills, but then also sort of started to feel a bit closed in and that I was on this this one track and I, I could see from, you know, my mentors at the company and, and seeing the, you know, leaders there that that was my future. And if I stayed on this track and I sort of panicked again, where it's like, oh, I don't know that I want that to be my day to day. That seems kind of awful, you know, really exciting and great in some ways, but also, you know, I don't know that that's for me and really had to kind of pull that ripcord and and pivot in a different direction again. And, you know, those kind of series of pivots and sort of overcoming that fear of making a complete change and what I was doing has led me to where I am now, which is you know, the most fulfilling and satisfying job I've ever had. And I, you know, if I had 
knew when I was 18 that this is where I wanted to end up. There's no way I would have ended up here. I would not have taken the path I took and I probably wouldn't have landed here. So it ended up being a, a great thing, but just sort of overcoming that fear of sort of making these abrupt changes was definitely a challenge. So interesting. You speak to so many people. I have a close friend who's so concerned that her plan has been thrown off. <laughs> and like, this is a testament that it's not about like having the plan and sticking it in the, it be working out exactly like you ended up in your dream job because everything went a different direction. <laughs> yeah, completely, completely. I think, you know, one of the things that made me feel better about this was my grandmother was a nurse for, for many, many years. And when she turned 50, she decided that she wanted to become a pilot. So she just went out and became a pilot instead, which there's no, I guess, time limit on when you can make these changes. And you can always sort of make these these pivots. And I think it takes a little bit of trial and error to figure out what works for you. And especially because, you know, a lot of jobs don't even exist yet that will. A lot of companies don't exist yet that will. And so it's tough to know where you're aiming if where you're aiming doesn't exist yet. So taking a lot of trial and error and kind of working your way there, I think, is probably the best best path. Hi, this is Olga Zueva, the co-founder of Love Tunes, the company that creates personalized comic books about love. I'm based in Moscow, Russia. Well, first of all, we have pretty good word of mouth effect because when you create such a cute gift and you give it to a significant other, it usually, you know, people like to post the pictures and videos of such gifts online. They like to share these emotions because it's a really extraordinary gift. Also, we have e-versions of the book. Right now, we have a worldwide delivery, but it was not the case before that. And very often, uh, such book can be shown on a big screen on wedding day, for example. And many, many people see that and they also want to like give something special for their partner afterwards. So that's how we kind of spread. You know, that's easy for us to find new clients. But also, we are collaborating with influencers a lot. And we see that that's a very good channel for us. What's your approach to collaborating with influencers? I know sometimes influencers are very resistant on who they choose to work with or even responding to messaging in the first place. How have you successfully been able to form those relationships so influencers want to work with you? Well, there are cases when influencers uh, contact us and because they just see our advertising on targeted ads and they come to us, it's usually small influencers and they come to us and they offer like barter. But if we're talking about big influencers, well, I don't know. We just like have really cute idea. And of course, none of them answer and none of them want to cooperate. But because influencers also want to surprise their audience with something cute every time, you know, not just to make advertising of mass market gifts that everyone knows about and that people understand that this is an advertising because we are so personalized. We usually ask influencers to create a real story of their relationship with their partner. So their subscribers actually understand that that's their story. They know the details, they know how they match and et cetera. So they really kind of see that that's where influence, you know, invested its time and its love. It's you and Anna running this company, right? The two of you are, are there any other founders? There are no other founders. We have another investor. We have a small business angel investor. Wow, uh, congratulations. How much money did you raise? Are you allowed to say? Well, it's less than 50K dollars. Yeah. 
but I it love, was one year ago. Yeah. I love how like hesitant you were in saying that as though that's not a crazy big amount of money. No, it's, it's not a crazy big amount of money, but that's it, it, no, of, it is yeah. a crazy big amount yeah, of it, money. It's yeah, a lot yeah. of money. It's, <laughs> a lot. it's like, that's a lot of money. I think we get caught up in the tech world, like with the million dollars and all this, that all of a sudden $50,000 doesn't seem like a lot of money, but it's <laughs> people don't even make that much in a year. Like when they're working a job, like as a salary, that's a lot of money. Congratulations. And I'm sure not easy to do from like Moscow, Russia, where like the economics and the philosophies of being a founder and, and an entrepreneur are so different. What is your role in the company? And then what is Anna's role in the company? How do you complement one another? Well, we do everything we can <laughs> together, but of course there are some distribution of things we do because I speak English. So I'm more about like entering new markets and finding partners there and collaboration. And because of my previous experience, I worked for a long time in online e-com retailer. I'm more responsible for marketing activities. While Anna, she's responsible for design, for UX, for managing IT development. That's basically how we share our responsibilities. Hey, this is Lauren Goldstein, founder and CEO of Golden Key Partnership, where we help companies scale more efficiently, profitably, and sustainably. I'm based in Austin, Texas. So three of my favorite things. So the first is daily themes, to your point. So like, for example, Mondays are meeting Mondays, where basically all of our team meetings happen on Monday, and that's it for the week. And then Tuesday and Thursdays are days for clients or you know, networking or anything that's people related and people can book in my calendar on that day. Friday's kind of catch up, also a client day. Wednesdays though, which is my second point, is hands down my favorite day of the week, not because it's hump day, but because it's admin day for me. So this is a day where nothing gets on the schedule, if I can help it. I mean, some days I'm traveling, but not right now. (laughs) Anyway, so Admin days are the days when I am working only on things that move the business forward. So I'm not working in the business, I'm working on the business. So no external calls, no external meetings, not even any internal meetings. It's like a day of uninterrupted progress. And when I look at my business pre-admin day and post-admin day, it's like night and day because I can actually get stuff done. I make sure that we've we've got the runway to keep going because a lot of times we get so focused on our team or our current customers that we forget about like making sure that the business is growing and moving forward. And to that point, a lot of what I do is is time blocked. You know, Todd Herman calls this power hours. I think other people call it power hours too, but essentially if I'm doing something Like if I'm writing content, I'll do a couple of pieces of content in one block rather than 20 minutes here, 20 minutes there, because it's just, it's so much more efficient to, to say like, okay, this is what I need to do. And then the last part I would say is big three. I learned this actually from EOS, um, kind of rocks and actually maybe Darren Hardy. I've studied all the. And EOS is related to traction, right? Yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yep, what exactly. does EOS stand for again? Entrepreneur. What, what was Operating it? Operating system. I think. Yeah. 
I feel like I've studied all of the productivity experts, but what I liked about this is if you think of the the story of the professor who has the rocks and the sand and the pebbles and you know, if you put the sand in too soon, which are the little things and then the pebbles and the rock, not everything's going to fit, but if you put the rocks in first and then the pebbles and then the sand, everything fits magically in this jar and the same is true for your business. So What I do every Sunday and actually at the end of every day is I write down a list. Normally it's a who to do list, not a to do list because you want to utilize your team. But sometimes it's only stuff I can do. And then from there, I look at the things that are a priority and pick the three biggest rocks that if I do nothing else the next day and just those things, that's going to have the biggest impact in the business because that allows me to stay really laser focused on okay, I need to do X, Y, Z. If I do that, we're going to make this amount of money or we're going to close this deal or it's going to help this client. And I think those are the few things that I would say will make the biggest impact in your business in terms of productivity. Thank you so much. And one question I love to ask is, what is the best piece of advice that you've gotten? I think the best piece of advice I've ever gotten is don't be afraid to ask for help. Because I think as entrepreneurs, my SaaS company, case in point, (laughs) (laughs) I was so embarrassed that we were failing or, you know, in any of number of things on the entrepreneurial roller coaster. You know, I think we think that that we're alone or we compare our behind the scenes to everybody else's highlight reel, that we're really nervous to admit that we need help. The Women in Tech podcast is hosted and produced by me, Esprit Devora, With help from Janice Geronimo. Edited by Corey Jennings. Production and voiceover by Adam Carroll. And music from Jay Huffman Live and Epidemic Sound. The Women in Tech podcast is a wearetech.fm production. Thank you for being a listener of the Women in Tech podcast. To support the podcast and cheer us on, become an MVL Most Valuable Listener, go to womenintech.love, linked in the show notes.